Blockchain is such a hot topic that I spoke to the experts and I got the lowdown just for my listeners. There was so much great information that I split it into two episodes. So check them out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 15 and season two dash episode 16. I hope you enjoy those episodes and learn so much more about blockchain. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Thank you for your continued and growing support each week. I am so humbled by the response. So here is our review of the week. This was sent in by Paul Day. My name is Paul Day from Charlotte, North Carolina, CEO and President of Corporatech. I love the show and thank you for all the great content you provide as I become more aware of how I can better serve the supply chain community with blockchain technology. Peter Tershwell, which is season two, episode 12, was talking about a democracy in the supply chain is the newest thing that will help change the industry. This is why blockchain is a big industry disruptor for the supply chain because it shows transparency in the supply chain while creating a sense of integrity. Thank you, Paul, for writing in your review and for listening and supporting the show. Remember that you can be featured. All you have to do is go to your podcast apps, Subscribe and review or email me your review at listener at letstalksupplychain.com. Now let's get to the show. This is an exciting one as every day we are seeing more and more news stories, discussion boards, blogs, podcasts about autonomous vehicles. Are they safe? Is this the future of our roads? What does it mean for our truck drivers? Even whether Tesla will be in business next week. I sure hope they are because I have a deposit on the Model 3. So today, Graham Robbins from Border Buddy is back on the show and we are sorting through this technology and what it means for you and what it means for supply chain. So welcome back, Graham. I am excited to be talking about such a provocative but important topic that will shape the future of this industry. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's get started. I mean, first, let's set set the stage for the discussion by talking about talent shortage. What do you think is contributing to the talent shortage in supply chain? Well, you know, I've been here for 27 years, (laughs) and I think there's an underlying issue that doesn't get talked about a lot. And I think that there are a ton of jobs out there today that simply didn't exist five years, 10 years, 20 years ago. So there's a lot more options for people um, to, to look elsewhere. And just some quick numbers, you know, I was looking at the, some of this data the other day on tech companies, for example. So Amazon started in nine, 1996, has 500,000 employees. That company didn't exist before 1996. Facebook started in 2004, has 25,000 employees. Google has 85,000 employees, and most of these companies are less than 20 years old. So when you're looking at people coming out of university or even high school, 
you know, I just think the amount of jobs available to them is like, it's like, unlike any other time in history, people are self-employed. You know, you've, you've been at a Starbucks, people working on their laptops, <laughs> you know, as, as their office. So there's really just a lot more options. And our industry is actually relatively small. So you have to do a lot of education around the industry. You know, there's 220 customs brokers, for example, in, in Canada. And a lot of people that we interview have never even heard of a customs broker before we, uh, before we interview them. Yeah, and I think it's I think supply chain has evolved um, as a role uh, within companies. You know, over the last probably even the last five to ten years. You know, it's now at the boardroom level. There's a lot more being expected from supply chain professionals. Supply chain professionals are now being pulled into um, different departments in the company because they're realizing that it has such an impact. I agree. And, and, and there's a lot more talk around supply chain and technology. As you know, it's, it's, it's not, um, if I go back 20 years, it was, you know, data inputting faxes, you know, things like this. And, uh, the, the, the skill set And uh, like you said, the level at which this is talked about is turned more into, you know, an, an IT discussion, or it is talked about at the executive level about how to get this data on our shipments from A to B as quickly as possible. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree that that the type of person working in the industry has changed as well. Yeah, and there's also different supply chain roles now than there used to be. You know, we, so you talk about going from manual to sort of tech, and then we've also got, you know, different roles that are just sort of popping up because people are realizing the gaps that they have. Um, between maybe old, older or more traditional supply chain roles versus what they need now. I agree. And I think, uh, you know, back to my original point is that now those people, those, the, the people that have logistics job openings are now competing with the likes of Amazon for talent because they are, if you're operating a warehouse for a Fortune 500 company, you are the, the talent pool is the same people that Amazon is pulling from. So uh, they need to understand logistics. They need to understand delivery. They need to understand how to how to stack and rack a warehouse properly. Uh, so it's it's tough. It's it's a totally different um, uh, you know landscape of of companies out there competing for the same talent. Yeah. So no wonder we have a bit of a talent shortage. I mean, and then we get into sort of the driver shortages um, with freight volumes increasing. Driver shortages are becoming a bigger issue. So why don't we have enough drivers? I mean, I guess there's a technology component to that one as well. Um, but there's a few issues here. You know, why don't we have enough drivers? Yes. And I, again, I read a lot. And, um, you know, I recently read that the average age of a truck driver is 56 years old. And that's average. So what they've got happening is there's not a lot of young people coming into that industry. So if you just fast forward 20 years, those people are now 76 years old and most likely not driving uh, truck. So we have a problem on the horizon with, um, you know, with this industry. Now, why isn't, why aren't there more drivers? Um, you know, I, I would say that there's, it's a tough life. 
being a truck driver is not an easy life, especially if you're doing long haul drivers. There's some drivers that, you know, they can wake up at their home and go and do three to four pickup and deliveries a day and then are home for dinner type of thing. But if you're driving from Florida to Alberta or Texas to Florida, you know, you're living out of truck stops, you're living out of your truck, um, you're not seeing your family, you're on the road, and it's not an easy life. So it's not a super appealing um, job, even though it's a super important job. And I think that's part of the reason we're having um, an issue with, with getting more truck drivers. Yeah, I did a little bit of research too, and it says that trucking pays less and they're being away from home. So really just um, reiterating a couple of the points that you mentioned is, you know, obviously the travel time and and not being at home and and having very varied shifts. Um, And, you know, they're getting paid less. I mean, the margins since 2008 have gone down. And um, I think the truckers are really feeling it, or the drivers themselves. Well, the other thing that's happened is with electronic, uh, the ELD devices. So the truck, the trucks have to have an electronic device installed in all of the vehicles as of this year to make sure that they aren't driving more hours than is regulated to be safe. So um, that is now a challenge because let's face it, they were driving longer because they weren't getting paid as much. So they were trying to get as many hours as possible. And now it's being mandated out. So they are not able to, to sort of um, drive longer than they were, were able to before. And you can't really blame them, you know, even though it's dangerous and they would be tired on the road and things like that, but you can't really blame them to try to figure out how to make more money by driving more hours. But you know, even, even that is, is just a, it's a tough, rough, um, you know, life. You have to be able to stay awake and stay alert. And, um, so the, 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 this, the device tracking is while, um, critical and, and probably, you know, a lot safer is also taking more money out of, um, you know, the driver's pockets. Yeah, and I mean, kudos over to Ellen at Women in Trucking because she is doing absolutely anything she can to create sort of that gender diversity um, with truck drivers because she's, you know, helping encourage more female drivers. Um, she's helping to encourage younger girls actually at a, at a, at a younger age with a doll um, that sort of promotes, you know, truck driving as a really good profession. And she's advocating for, you know, all sorts of things like changes in rest stops so that it's safer for females and stuff like that. And I love what she's doing over there. I just almost wonder, you know, we need more people like her and maybe we should have looked at it a lot sooner. Yeah. And that, that sounds fantastic. And, and, um, you know, it can be a great, it can be a great job. Um, and, um, you know, it's the diversity is super important. You know, we, we use, you know, we want to make sure that we recognize there's male and female, drivers as well. It's, it's obviously male dominated right now, but the, um, you know, the, doing whatever they can to get more people interested in truck driving. And I don't know if everyone knows this, but it's the biggest occupation in probably the world, but definitely in the U S there's more truck drivers than anything else in the U S. Um, and it's just, it's just a massive, massive, uh, industry. Yeah. And we need to be nice to our truck drivers. They, you know, we need to make sure that 
they get paid for the work that they're doing because they are so important to the to our economy. So let's touch on that a little bit. You know, how important are truck drivers to the economy? Yeah, and you know, I love that you said that because you know it, the they are looked at quite often as um, sort of a tool to get things from A to B, right? They're, they're not, they're not showing a lot of respect in some areas and they are super important to our, you know, our economy. Um, you know, our company bends over backwards for our drivers that come in. We know that they've been on the road for hours. We know they've been away from their family. Uh, we know they're hungry and thirsty and maybe also need a shower. You know, they've, they've been driving for, hours and hours. So uh, they're super important. You know, we want them to feel warm and welcome uh, when they come in. And to your point about how, you know, you know, there's 70%, I, I think the statistic is that of our household and daily items were on a truck at some point, you know, and it's just amazing what they, they're so vital to our economy and they need to be treated with a very important piece of the supply chain and respected uh, because they are, you know, we want them to be happy and safe on the road. They're, you know, they're, they're driving these massive vehicles. We want to make sure that they're, you know, they're taken care of and um, you know, they're just super, super important and we, we treat them like customers. Yeah. Not only, and I love what you guys are doing over there and I love that you, you know, take care of them and um, do everything that you can do to, to make sure that they do feel that way. Um, and you know, but there's, you know, another aspect here, right? We talked about technology and the talent shortage. So let's sort of get into technology on the driver's side. You know, let's talk about sort of the elephant in the room, which is Uber freight and their use of autonomous driver technology in their trucks. What do you think about that? Where is this going? Well, you know, I don't know if just today was a total fluke, but I mean, uh, there was just a release out this morning that um, that Google or Waymo, which is a Google-owned company that has uh, self-driving minivans, just ordered 62,000 Chrysler Pacificas from a company called FCA, which is the does all the uh, self-driving technology. So that's that's vehicles, that's minivans, but um, that was just released today. I thought I would touch on it because that's just, think about that number, 62,000. That's incredible. But back to your thing on Uber Freight, you know, this is happening. And, and people, I think some people are saying, no, you know, this is not going to happen. But um, I mean, it's absolutely amazing how quickly it's happening. So they're, they're still, um, you know, two years ago. Uber and Budweiser got together. It's a bit of a marketing, you know, push, obviously Budweiser and Uber and Budweiser is the big beer brand, obviously, but seeing its truck go down the road, it did a two hour journey, delivered beer from A to B, two hour journey without anyone behind the wheel. There was a driver in the cab. He, he monitored the truck from the sleeper. And the only time he got involved with the truck was when it entered and exited the freeway. So that was two years ago. So this is getting better every single day. You know, uh, I, I mentioned the, the statistics is 1.7 million truck drivers uh, in the U S and not enough coming online to, to be, um, you know, filling the need. So this is happening. You know, it, it's, it's going to happen. There's going to be autonomous vehicles. Uh, I'll bet anyone, I'll put money on it all day long that this is, you know, it's going to be a reality in the next five years that there's going to be a lot more trucks delivering freight without people in the, in the cab. Well, and I mean, with the driver shortage, what do companies really have as options? 
you know, if it's not autonomous vehicles, what else are they going to do if there's nobody sort of coming up to, to fill those roles? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's a massive uh, market opportunity for the technology companies because not only are they selling the technology for the vehicles, but then there's ongoing, you know, subscription, licensing fees, maintenance fees. So, you know, so there's, these are basically computers, you know, they're driving computers. That's what they are. So the, the, this is a whole new business model for a lot of these companies where it's a driving computer and, you know, some companies sell computer servers. Well, they're selling computer cars and, and trucks. So they don't really have an option. And it's, um, you know, it, it is coming and it's amazing to see. <laughs> Yeah, and, and recently in the news, I mean, I hate to bring up something like this, but there has been, I believe, one accident with with the truck um, being an autonomous vehicle, and I believe it, it, you know, might have been one of theirs. What do you say to that? I mean, at the end of the day, even when you've got a human driving the truck, and like you said, they've driven for a long time, maybe they're tired, things like that. I mean, you, you kind of run that risk on that side as well. But Yeah, and that, that's a great point. And, and you know, I, I think you're talking about the Uber vehicle in Phoenix that, that killed the pedestrian. And that was tragic and, and, and brutal. The, the challenge with this is, and the investigation just sort of wrapped up in the last couple of weeks, is that the vehicle saw the pedestrian. The vehicle saw it, but the autonomous mode was off. So the human, unfortunately, the human has been shown to have messed this one up. And the vehicle, if the vehicle was in full autonomous mode, it would have stopped. So that's the, that's the data that came out of the investigation. So, you know, it, it's brutal to say, but, you know, Uber and, um, you know, Tesla, for example, they, they get the, the news that their vehicles are slamming into parked cars and things like that. But the reality is, is that there's about 120 people per day killed in car accidents and they don't make the news because, you know, there's lots of Fords and Chevys that aren't in autonomous mode that are, are smashing into things all day long. So um, that's a brutal fact. And um, I think the, the sooner we can get humans away from from driving, I think it's actually going to be a lot safer. Hmm, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that from the investigation and I didn't actually realize that there was a human in that truck. Um, so that's, that's pretty interesting. And those stats are staggering. Yeah, and I want to be really clear that and this, the one that I'm referring to was not a truck. It was, it was an SUV, um, in Phoenix. And actually I was in Phoenix when it happened. So it was very, very loud in the, um, in, in the local news. And, uh, so that was, but that was the Uber, um, the Uber partnership there, and they have actually shut down their operations in Phoenix now. But Google is huge in Phoenix. That Waymo vehicle, for example, is is um, there's a lot of vehicles in, in Phoenix still because they've allowed, they've loosened the regulation, allowed um, autonomous vehicles. Wow. Okay, so let's get into your personal experience. What is your experience with autonomous vehicles? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I said I don't want to brag about this, but you know, I do have a Tesla with with autopilot. So I own a Tesla that has autopilot on it. And now this is this is a fun conversation for people that um, you know that sort of see the news but don't have any experience with it. Is you know, of course, Elon Musk has called this autopilot, but it's actually not autopilot. You know, what this is, it's basically cruise control and steering wheel control. So in other words, 
the way I the way I look at it is a lot of you know autopilot is getting kind of a bad rap because it is it's you know you see this the news with it crashing into things as the drivers behind the wheel, but the way I look at it is that okay vehicles have had cruise control for decades, so imagine if you had cruise control and you just you know put your foot feet on the dash you know like just just did just pay, didn't pay attention to the road, those things guaranteed happened early on and they probably still happen today. But they get, this gets a lot of noise because the drivers, you know, that has this autopilot uh, terminology. But to let you know about my experience with it, you know, I did a drive down the I-5 last week, about a 40-minute drive. And I touched the steering wheel, you know, sort of five to six times during that 40-minute drive because Tesla makes you touch the wheel to prove that the driver hasn't fallen asleep or hasn't jumped in the back seat or done something stupid. Um but the term autopilot is misleading. It's not autopilot. You know, you can't sort of punch your GPS and say, you know, take me to 7-Eleven or this restaurant and it just takes you there. That, that's not what it does. Um, but it's cruise control that keeps you in the lines. So once you've actually, you see that, so you get the, the, that experience, but it gets really sort of, I call it freaky because the, 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 the piece that made me really believe in autopilot or, or in autonomous vehicles is it has sort of two options where you can change lanes. So it changes lanes automatically for you. So you put your turn signal on and the vehicle checks for anyone in that lane and then actually moves you over. Now it sounds sort of basic when you say it, but when you're in the vehicle, it's sort of a roller coaster experience because you're, you're really trusting that this thing's not going to go in the ditch. So it's a very weird feeling to hit a, hit the turn signal watch the car check for check for you know anything in the lane moves you over and you're hoping that it doesn't move you over two lanes and it it never has for me but you're putting a lot of trust in a computer at 60 miles an hour basically (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely and i can hear your passion you know you you um and, and I love that because I put a down payment on the Model 3. I don't know when I'm going to get that yet. But um, it's it's exciting, but it's also scary. It's scary to a lot of people, um, I think, because of the unknown. And like you said, at 60 miles per hour, or kilometers an hour, you're putting your trust into a computer at the end of the day. I mean, that was a really, really good sort of analogy. So let me ask you this then. I mean, since you drive an autonomous vehicle and since you have so much experience with it the passion behind it you know is this technology the solution then to the driver shortage i mean are we i mean like maybe it will you know bridge that gap on the shortage but do drivers have to worry about jobs you know like where do you see this going well i i actually think that um you know I don't know if anyone's looking at it as a solution to the driver shortage. I think the tech companies are basically, it's just doing away with drivers, period. So it, it, if, it, there's a domino effect to that. So it obviously affects taxi industries. It affects, you know, uh, car companies, uh, you know, anyone that's, ma- that's manufacturing vehicles. It affects truck drivers. So this is, this is sort of leapfrogging all those issues. It's not kind of going after truck drivers, I don't think. But this is going to be a reality. Um, you know, I have a two and a half year old son and I would bet money that he will never own a vehicle and he'll, he'll rarely drive. And another, again, I, this is stuff is happening so quickly. Lyft just, just uh, did a, um, a new release of a service yesterday, $200 a month, unlimited lifts. 
So Lyft is an Uber competitor. So just think about that for a second. $200 a month and you don't need a car. I, I would, if that was available here in, in British Columbia, I would do that all day long. I, I you know, I, I, I could work on my way to work. I could, you know, I could have it take me to restaurants. If I could do that unlimited for $200, even if it goes to three or $400, it's still cheaper than owning a car. So, you know, I know you asked, is this, is this the driver shortage? I think it's, it's more about, there's just not going to be drivers, you know, it, it, these vehicles are, it's going to be like the Jetsons. It's, it's really going to be cars going down the road without people in them. And it, it is absolutely happening. And just imagine what they've done in two years, in 15 years uh, from now, it, it's going to be so far ahead of, of where it is today. Wow, that $200, that's amazing. I mean, you could think about it for all sorts of business people. You know, how much time... We spend in the car going from place to place. And I think about this all the time. You know, how much more could I get done if I didn't have to drive the car? Well, and, and vehicles are parked, this is a statistic, parked 95% of the day. So, and it's usually your second biggest purchase in value. So what are you doing? You're using this thing 5% of the day and it's parked and it costs a huge amount of money per month. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Like it, it, you can see why there's so many forces against this, uh, against owning a vehicle or vehicle ownership. It's just, um, and I'm super excited. Like, you know, again, this is a very timely podcast because, you know, Jimmy Kimmel just did a, a YouTube. It just yesterday did a YouTube commercial with his sidekick Guillermo in the back seat. He tricked him. There was a driver in the car. Then the driver jumped out and Guillermo was in a self-driving Waymo. Uh, vehicle. So if you just Google Waymo, you'll see all these news headlines. They bought 62,000 vehicles. Jimmy Kimmel is doing this, um, this advertisement or commercial with it. It is, it's happening and it's, it's, um, it's, it's so fun, I think. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I like that $200 idea. I'm still, yeah, I'm still I, on that, <laughs> but I am going to have to go check out that video yeah. for sure. So then, um, you know, we've sort of touched on the driver shortage. We've touched on the talent shortage. We've brought that into, you know, autonomous vehicles, what that means for our industry. What other areas are we seeing the technology being adopted? Um, well, you know, I, I think it's, I, I start with vehicles of all sorts. And I, I want to just sort of double down on, on the forces against vehicles or cars, period. You know, they're parked 95% of the time. They take up space. They congest cities and roadways. There's been data shown that, you know, if, if you took all the vehicles out of New York City and just replaced them with Uber or Lyft, it would be like one twentieth of the amount of vehicles in the city just because cars are just going from A to B and they're just sitting there parked 95% of the time. Developers of apartment buildings don't want to build garages anymore. You know, younger people aren't buying cars as much as they used to. They, they don't want to dig five, six, seven floors down and build these super expensive garages beneath the apartments when there's no cars in them. And then you talk about sort of um, other sort of, you know, maybe going into other areas, but I don't know if you've been watching these scooter companies. So they're now the scooter sharing. So there's a company now that's worth a billion dollars and they're a share like scooter sharing um, company where you can jump on a scooter and get from A to B and then you drop it off and, it all works out of an app. So that's not necessarily self-driving, but you just look at the forces against, against vehicles. Um, 
Yeah, and what it's going to do to the environment too. Oh, right? absolutely. And and I think you know, um, there's a lot of safety issues like you know, drinking and driving, things like that. You know, I, I think it's going to solve a lot of issues that that are um, that are there that that are out there that we just sort of ignore as as human related. And then I think the other areas you see talk about um, technology, whether it's autonomous or just other ways of getting around. We haven't even talked about, you know, Hyperloop, which is another Elon Musk sort of uh, brain brainchild. But, um, you know, these Hyperloop vehicles underground or above ground, super fast moving um, people moving machines. But I think it's going to be a lot of freight movement, too. You know, th- these these vehicles are going to move. Um, you know, large amounts of freight, large amounts of people very quickly. And I think it's showing that people are putting lots and lots of money into it to, um, to make these types of other, you know, non-vehicle related or non-traditional vehicle related technologies happen. Yeah. And what about planes? You and I had an interesting discussion about that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I did a Boeing tour a few years ago and, um, and, you know, that's just an incredible tour if you ever get to do it. it they do all the lean manufacturing and things like that. But, um, you know, one of, one of the comments that came out of there was that, you know, they could have pilotless planes today if anyone would actually get on a plane without pilots, right? So <laughs> if you think about that, there's, there are drones being flown all over the world from thousands of miles away in other countries. And unfortunately, like, of course, a lot of them are used in war and things like that. But these planes are super high technology, super high capabilities, and they're being flown by, you know, a kid and not a kid, but, you know, a person in Texas type of thing with a joystick. And, you know, they're, they're being flown safely, taking off and landing from thousands of miles away with no pilot on them. So I really do think that you take huge commercial aircraft. At some point, those will be pilotless in my mind. I don't know what year that will be because I think it's got a big um, issue, sort of people getting on a plane with no pilots. But then on smaller drones, like a lot of people think of drones as fun toys and, you know, taking pictures or videos of your camping trips and things like that. But there's going to be package delivery. You know, Amazon's already investing huge into drones delivering packages it doesn't make sense to send a truck, you know, eight minutes away from an uh, Amazon distribution center when they could fly a drone. And the drone technology is getting better and better. I saw one the other day that was lifting a 50-pound package, and and it's, it's incredible. So this stuff is going to happen. I don't know what our skies are going to look like, but um, drones are definitely, you know, another piece that's just definitely coming. Yeah, exactly. What our skies are going to look like. Yeah, can you imagine? Pilotless plane and drones flying everywhere. I think um, your analogy of the Jetsons might be <laughs> a little bit more, you know. Well, it's um, coming true. And and, and I, I just find it, that's one thing that I think about a lot is that self-driving cars don't bother me. But if I'm sitting in my backyard and there's there's planes and drones flying left, right, and center and buzzing around, like I, I can't fathom that, you know, are there going to be no fly zones or are there going to be neighborhoods that have no drones, you know, above them? I, I don't know what that's going to look like at all. Oh, that is going to cause mayhem. People are going to be so upset if they're, you know, trying to relax in their backyard. Yeah, it's bad enough when you're having, you know, like a lunch with you in your backyard or something and your neighbor starts mowing the lawn, right? You're kind of annoyed. He's mowing the lawn for an hour while you're having friends over. But imagine, imagine drones above. It's just crazy to think about. Crazy. Well, let's wind down this interview. Let's talk about the risk. We haven't really touched on that too much in this conversation. So 
does this technology increase risk or reduce risk on the roads? I mean, you did sort of mention a little bit earlier, you know, that it should reduce the risk on the road from um, human error. Yeah. And I should, you know, make sure that all the listeners are, I'm not a professional in in this uh, area. I'm just very passionate about it. And probably I read a lot about it, but my opinion of course, is that I think this is definitely reduces the risk overall. Now, there, there's that old joke. I don't know if you've ever seen it, where, ever seen the, the sort of inner, the picture of, you know, there's a computer and a dog and, you know, what's the dog there for? The dog is there to make sure a human doesn't touch the computer, you know, because the computer will do something, but it takes kind of a human to, to mess it up a little bit. Um, I think that if you have roads that have a mix of human drivers and, and computer drivers, I think that's kind of a question mark. Like, how do you, how do you adjust for someone just falling asleep behind the wheel and having no computer to correct it? Um, and then, you know, I, so I basically think that the more computers and more computerized vehicles on the road, the, the lesser the risk. I just think humans are a problem, you know, <laughs> and I, I am one, of course. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I just think that they are, they're the problem uh, in all of these accidents or incidents. And I think computers can actually remove a lot of that as the technology gets better and better. Yeah. And I think there's two sides to this argument. I mean, you've got manufacturers that really want to keep people in cars. Um, and you've got consumers that are also worried about the technology. Um, you know, depending on what generation maybe they, they grew up in. Um, so I think there's, you know, a little bit of, you know, people or, or companies actually pushing people to stay in cars potentially rather than sort of the autonomous side. And especially from an industry industry perspective, you know, not wanting to lose jobs. And that, that's like that. a really great point. Um, and, you know, my brother-in-law actually owns some car dealerships. So him and I are always going back and forth. He's, he's, he's sending me articles on how bad Tesla is and their vehicles and battery powered vehicles are worse for the environment because of all the batteries and the car, you know, all the, just the carbon that comes from the manufacturing of that. But, um, there was an article the other day that I sent him that says, you know, car dealers basically, you know, this is one article, but tell, saying that they went in and sort of did undercover shopping. And a lot of car dealers are talking negatively about, about electric vehicles. And actually the CEO of Fiat had said, please don't buy our electric, uh, Fiat. Cause we lose $5,000 a car. You know, he just went on record. You can Google that too. He says, please don't buy this car because it, we lose money on it. And, um, and there's, there's this article showed that dealers are saying, you know, well, your electricity bill will triple, uh, you know, and, and all this type of stuff, which is false, but, uh, you're right. There's, there's, there's people that have vested interest in selling more and more gas engines, but the minute that, that battery is less than gas, it's over because all people really care about is price. Yeah, and you've got a Tesla. So, did your electricity bill go up? No, but I, I I use one ten, so I just plug it into the wall because I don't drive I don't drive a ton every day. I drive about twenty five kilometers in a given day. So if I'm if I was commuting, I would need a bigger charger and I would need more power. So yes, it would go up, but I've never measured it myself. Okay, so it's no, not it hasn't been for me. No, I guess. Yeah. And then I guess one other thing to bring up is you've talked a lot about, you know, Google. Why do they want people in self-driving you know, cars? My, my, um, my early research on that, I would say was wrong. You know, I used to think it was because they wanted, you know, they wanted people 
to be on their mobile devices. They want to be able to, you know, just have, you know, because in your car, you shouldn't be on your phone. So that means how many millions of people in their uh, car per day, not on a phone, not, you know, surfing and not clicking on ads and things like that. But it, it's more of a, you know, technological advancement that I think Google is just, they're on, an, on another level with, you know, they, they just want to um, remove, you know, remove the fatalities. You know, there's a, I think the statistic is there's 120 deaths, 130 deaths per day in vehicles that are, you know, a driver error. So uh, can they reduce that and, and, you know, make the world a better place? Now that's pretty grandiose thinking, but that that's, that's the sort of data that I've, I've found on, on that. Yeah. And there's probably an environmental thing behind it as well. So how do you feel about traveling in a plane being flown remotely? <laughs> we don't know what the future holds, but technology is definitely changing li- lives and industries, including supply chain and logistics. So are you ready for it? Well, thank you so much, Graham, for another amazing conversation that I'm sure will spark some interesting discussion. Thank you very much. It was fun. If you liked this episode, check out all of my interviews at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast dash one. Scroll through all of our guests from eBay to PVH to Richard Bystrong and many other top supply chain professionals speaking on today's hot topics in supply chain. Remember to visit ships.com, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com to sign up to be one of the first to know about the innovative supply chain platform I am working on. We are close to introducing it to the world and you won't want to miss the announcement. Thank you from the bottom of my my heart for listening to the show to our success and remember everyone ship happens <laughs>